Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur who left the corporate world to follow my gut and leap into the online business space. But most days, I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm obsessed with the process of us getting to figure it out together. We've got epic guests with incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I am so excited that you're here today because on the show, we have a woman that I deeply admire. Her name is Liz Harkey. She is a wife. She's a mama three. She's the host of the Scaling Up podcast. And she has built not just one, but two extremely impactful businesses. Her first seven-figure business was in network marketing. And ironically, it's actually the first time I ever spoke on a stage to an audience was in front of like 7,000 people alongside Liz. And in addition to that network marketing business, she also has another business where she helps impact-driven entrepreneurs find creative ways to scale and monetize their brands while keeping their vision and like the legacy that they have in mind for their life in mind. And I wanted her to come on the show for a couple of reasons. One, I literally adore this woman, but also she has a very powerful way that she talks about vision, not just for entrepreneurs, but for any woman that has a big dream for her life. Because often we've got this dream on our vision board, but how do we actually get there? Like, What are the tangible things that we need to do to get us from here, where we are now, to where we want to go, especially when that vision is massive, which I know a lot of you are going to connect with. And I also asked her a lot of questions about mom life because she has two extremely successful businesses with three tiny little humans that her and her husband, Michael, are raising. And she's got some really great tips for managing overwhelm for anyone that has a lot on their plate, especially for moms too. So I cannot wait to hear what you think. Be sure to tag us on Instagram if you shout it on your story so we can personally say thank you. And of course, hear the feedback and what part of this episode really hit home with you. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Liz, I am so excited that you're here. Welcome to the show, girl. Thanks for having me on, sister. I'm so happy to be on your show. This is going to be so valuable for people. Everybody is going to love you and vibe with you. And I just can't even wait for all the juicy nuggets that you're going to share about vision and being a mom, an ambitious go-getter mom who wants to make massive impact. I can't wait. So, okay, we got to tee them up because I'm already obsessed with you, but they need to understand your backstory. So can you give them a little bit of like, how did you even get where you are now as this awesome mom and wife and entrepreneur and all of it? Give us the rundown. Yeah, sure. So I am now currently the mom of three babies. I have, at the time of this recording, a four and a half year old, a an almost three year old. She'll be three in February. And my youngest is turning one tomorrow. So we're in like the midst of chaos, my husband and I. But if you rewind a bit, I I think I always had this like bug since I was little of wanting to become an entrepreneur because that's what I witnessed. So I grew up in a family, <clears throat> a pretty big family of entrepreneurs. Everybody ran their own businesses from my grandparents to my parents who still run their businesses today, aunts and uncles, just 
across the board. And I loved the fact that they were never missed a ball game. They were always home for dinner. They were present for everything. Our house was the house for like the kids came to hang out because my mom could be flexible with their schedule and probably, you know, give the illusion like, oh, come hang out at our house. But really she was like, I'm watching you like a hawk so that you don't do anything stupid. And if you're under my reign, I can keep track of you. Uh, so I just, I saw that and I loved everything about it. So since I was a little kid, I was like, oh, that's the path I'll go down. But there was one piece that I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but now in retrospect, I see that there was one element of entrepreneurship or pursuing your own business that didn't sit well with me. And that was the fact that when they were always home for dinner or never missed a game, they paid for it because if they weren't working, they weren't earning and they had to be earning to support our family. So there was just this aspect of it that I always kind of was aware of, but I thought it was just the nature of the game. And I thought that that's just the trajectory when you're, you're running something of your own. So I ended up going a more conventional route because I don't know, that's just what you do. Like you get the degree, you get the good job, it's more stable And even though I grew up thinking I'd have something of my own, I'm like, no, 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 this will provide for my future family someday. And I swear, Keisha, like five minutes in the cubicle and I wanted to like jump out the window. (laughs) It was so suffocating to me. And this isn't true to everybody. Like I know people who work in corporate careers that they are thriving. They're thriving in their work life. They're thriving in their home life. Like they've figured it out. That's what they're called to. They're an entrepreneur. They're climbing the ladder in the right way in alignment with their vision and and their value system. That was not me. I was suffocated Mm -hmm. and I didn't like... I liked the work I was doing. I was working in the marketing space, but I hated how I had to do it. And I hated how like my voice wasn't heard and my work was never good enough. And it just didn't feel right. And then I felt suffocated by the lack of freedom in my life. So I decided to kind of come back to that original vision for my life of entrepreneurship and said, okay, I'm going to do what my family did. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And I kind of broke into that world in network marketing, similar to you, same Mm -hmm. company. And it was one of the greatest gifts to my life because it, it opened the door for me to learn how to run a business and build a business wisely. It didn't have to be an either or thing. Like when people don't realize, like when you start something of your own and you do it completely on your own without any other business model, like the network marketing business model, that's all on your back. And many times it's a drop everything else and go all in on this with a massive risk. And network marketing allowed me to kind of like dip my toes into business Mm -hmm. while I still worked full-time. So at that time, my full-time job was kind of like the investor for my, my network marketing business and allowed me to build it. And then I learned so much from that business, I said, okay, now I'm going to take these skill sets and I'm going to branch outside of just network marketing alone because I'd built my network marketing up to a seven-figure business. And I said, now network marketing, I'd left my corporate job, network marketing is going to be my investor for my bigger vision for my future. So Mm -hmm. that's why I... um, I stepped into... I have my own podcast, but I like my big thing and the thing I focus on is working with entrepreneurs, business owners, personal brands that are eager to scale because they want to build something that's in alignment with their vision for their lives. And kind of going back to that picture of my family, like being around the dinner table, but then having to work till midnight to make up for it. 
I wanted to teach people how to do it differently. You can do entrepreneurship. You can build your own business. You can chase your dreams without it being at the sacrifice of your marriage or being a present mother or staying in like true to your value system or, you know, thinking that if I just hustle for a few years, eventually I'll show up at my vision, not realizing that you actually have to get really strategic and intentional and build a smart business that supports that vision. Otherwise, you will just stay in that hustle period like my my mom and dad still are to this day because they never evolved from that level in terms of business model and, and having that vision and then making sure they were staying true to it. So that's what I do now and help other entrepreneurs or influencers or brands scale their income, their influence and their time freedom. Cause those are the big, the big three, I call it the it factor that I think are so important uh, to stay yeah. true to your vision. I love that. And it's such an important mission and it's so needed. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And I want to dive into that because I think vision is a really interesting topic and something that I really admire about your ability to cast vision or ask and pull vision out of people that maybe lack that clarity. So walk us through, how do you actually come up with, which sounds kind of weird, but like, how do you come up with the vision that you actually want and know if you're even on the right track? Like, what would you what would you say to a client that's coming to you that's like, Liz, I don't even really know exactly what my vision is? Yeah, I think that's such a good question. And you wouldn't think, but people can be multiple years into business. And if you ask them what their vision is, they're like, yeah, you know, it would be nice if this happened. And eventually I'd like to retire and I want to hit the seven figure mark. And it's like, okay, great. What's your game plan to get there? And they're like, well, I'm just going to keep pushing. You're like, no, no, no. You're just going to keep pushing and you're never going to get there. So you'd be shocked by like how few people really take the time to sit and be in alignment with that vision and really break down what that means. So I do believe in doing things like vision casting or vision boards, but they can't stand alone. You Mm -hmm. see a lot of that and it's kind of like trending where people will be like, I did my vision board and now it's up in front of my face and it's the background on my computer and I keep it in my bathroom and in my car and I see it every day and eventually I'll manifest that into my life. And then 10 years pass and they haven't checked anything off their list because they didn't also back it up with a few other important components, one of which is work and the other <laughs> is, um, is belief. So what I've noticed, and I, like you can kind of answer this, Keisha. Like, if I came to you and you said, listen, Keisha, um, you picture the vision for your life, what you want most. I can hand you the vehicle to get there. And if you just follow this roadmap, you'll eventually get to that vision and you'll live like the life of your dreams. Like no doubt, end of your life, you will look back and say, this was it. This was exactly what I wanted. Would you do what I told you to do? Or would you follow that roadmap? Of course. Right. Right. (laughs) So oftentimes that's happening. Like People are saying, I want to step into entrepreneurship because I want the freedom. Or maybe their vision is like, I want to be the world's most present mother, or I want to be, you know, the best wife or whatever it is. I want to give back and like, just make a difference in the world. And the roadmaps are available to us because we have so many resources at our fingertips. But the issue is a lack of belief. Mm -hmm. They have this vision, they create this vision board, but then they look at it and there's something out of whack. They're looking at it and in a dreamy way but there's a little voice in the back of their head that's saying, well, that would be nice. 
I don't know. I hopefully that happens. Mm-hmm. Like there's this piece of them that's not saying this is mine. Like I don't know the yeah. timeline that this will happen in, but oh, this is happening. And what I what I think stands between people and a vision for their future is either that their vision's blurry, they haven't taken the time to figure that out, which I'll talk about in a second of how you can kind of map that out, or their belief is shaken. Yeah. And that's a that's a key piece is you actually have to believe that that can be yours, that's a, mm-hmm. that that's available to you. And let me tell you, you know, the only evidence that any of us need that something is possible for us is that one other person did it. So I think the big thing is to hone in on both vision, belief, and then creating the work to back it up. So how do you know what work to be doing to make sure you're getting to your vision? Well, the first thing is breaking down the vision. I think sometimes people like will do a vision board and they'll cut out pictures of this gorgeous home that they want someday or the fam- the perfect family or them in the body that they want to be in or whatever it is. And those things are great, but those are kind of like goals. The vision is more of like picture. This is an exercise that I do with my clients, no matter where they're at in the journey, whether they are 20 years into business and they need to pivot because they're totally off track, which happens more than you'd think, or they're brand new and they haven't even broken into it yet. Let's break down your ideal day. And I ask them a series of questions and it sounds so simple, but this is so important because the way that you can actually create your ideal day is to build the business life, whatever that supports that ideal day actually happening. So what time do you wake up in the morning? Like, are you picturing waking up with the sun and going for a walk on the beach? And does that mean that someday you own a beach house? So you have to earn a certain amount of money to be able to have that home and live in that location. And are you waking up with no alarm? Does that mean that you don't work for the man anymore and that you're running something of your own? Okay, that gives us a little bit of evidence of something that we have to start working towards. And what's your morning routine like? Are you like totally checked out of anything work-related and you're totally present with your husband and you have your cup of coffee overlooking this gorgeous view and then your kids wake up? And, you know, it's chaotic because you have kids. It's never going to be like this perfect scenario, but are you able to sit with them as they eat breakfast and cook them a healthy breakfast so they're not like eating cereal as they were running out the door and loading them up with sugar? Like what are the specific things as you walk through every single little aspect of your day? It can even be like when you're picturing your ideal day, you know, you're picturing everything in your surroundings. Picture yourself looking in the mirror so you actually see yourself too. Are you strong and healthy? Has your body changed in some capacity? Do you look refreshed and not like you're, you know, deathly tired all the time in the morning? And so every little detail, what do the rooms in your home look like? And what do they smell like? And are you taking breaks throughout the day to cook something healthy for your family for that night for dinner? And then you're going back to the the job that you're passionate about and what are you doing in that job? And are you working for yourself? And are you scribbling ideas on a whiteboard and then making them come to life? Or So like every detail, because the problem is, is when you slap a beautiful home and a, a waterfront property and just paid off all my debt on your vision board, how do you plan on getting there? Mm-hmm. And the, and sometimes what I see too is people put these things on their vision board. Let's say it's, um, it's a goal. You'll see it a lot in like, whether it be network marketing, I want to hit this rank in my company or in corporate. Like I want to, I want to be the CEO of my company. And then you start to break down your ideal day and your ideal day has you 
with this really peaceful morning and you know a certain amount of money is in your bank account that day and you can check out for the day entirely at 3 p.m. and be present with your kids. I got news for you. The CEO of a company is not doing that. So now all of a sudden you're totally out of whack. You just put something on your vision board that you're trying to manifest. You think you're working towards, but it's not even what you really want. Because when you get down to the granular, you're like, crap, that's so far from what I'm looking for. I actually don't really care about the home that I'm in when I picture my ideal day. I care more about the location of my home, which means, you know, I I'd prefer more about where I live than what I'm living in. Or I care way more about my free time during that day when I picture it than I do about the hustle that comes with being at the top of my company. Mm-hmm. So that's why that exercise is so powerful because I'll do that. I just actually had a client fly out. We have this thing called scaling up at the farm where people that are you know moving forward in their business, they want to scale. They come out for a two and a half day workshop where it's just one-on-one. I'm like a psycho mad scientist with my whiteboard and we're mapping out a scaling strategy for their business. And one of my clients came out and he's been in business for 25 years. He's a multi-million dollar uh, a year earner as a solopreneur incredibly successful in business, really well-respected in this field. And he's coming up on that age where it's like, he doesn't want to stop working because he loves what he does, but he's also 50 and, you know, has kids and is thinking about not necessarily retirement, but like how he wants his life to look like from here. So we did this ideal day exercise. I had to have him do it three times because he couldn't even like fathom the ideal day at first, it felt so weird because he was so ingrained in what he had been so used to. And then when I finally got him to that place where he came up with this ideal day, there was a lot of downtime, a lot of writing, time to like write the books. He's, a, he's also an author. So he's written books, but he wants to write a ton of books. Like that's the big thing that he feels called to do. And he's like, in his ideal day, he saw himself sitting under like such an old, I was making fun of him calling him an old man. Cause he's like, I just want to like sit under a tree and sit at the, at our lake house and like just write for hours on end. And then, you know, spend time with the kids and my wife. And I'm like, hold up. What's the game plan to get there? Because right now you are traveling all over the country to meet with your clients. You are constantly like on call for those clients. You have zero ability to take time off without being like nagged by these clients. How do you plan on transitioning into that ideal day? And there was no plan. Yeah. It was a complete disconnect in his mind. If I just keep working really hard, eventually I will get there. Mm -hmm. So this, that's the first thing I would have anyone do. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or not in any area of your life, this vision has to be congruent with how you want your day-to-day to look. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your ideals? It's such good feedback for the woman listening to this that's in a corporate setting or is looking to make a career transition as a whole, not even in the entrepreneurial space. Like, are you picking those problems associated with that, like the benefits of it too? And I think the way that you describe that makes so much sense that it's constantly evolving as you're evolving too. Cause like mm-hmm. the vision for like what having kids at young ages, like your kids are now versus kids when they're teenagers, that's going to look so drastically different. So you're going to have to constantly be in the habit of casting and really cultivating the vision for your life, which I love this exercise for that. 
I want to I want to speak to that person in the corporate atmosphere because yeah. I, I tend to speak to people in the entrepreneurial space, but I think it's so important because one of my best friends, he is in the corporate space and he will likely remain in that in that world. He likes it. He thrives in it. He does really well. And we tend to operate by the year like, OK, we just broke into 2020. What are my goals for this year? And the short sightedness of doing everything by the year is killing us because what it's doing is giving us a 365-day window to achieve or not achieve something, getting to the end of it and starting a cycle over. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And to that person working in that corporate space, I remember sitting down with my friend and asking him, okay, so like, what's the five-year plan? Like, where do you want to be in five years? And he, his head nearly blew off. He's like, what do you mean five years? Like, I just got to survive today. I just got to figure out like that. He was debating between two promotions. One was within his company and one was at another company. One would be a pay increase. One was a lateral move financially. So there were different decisions to be made. And his mind was like, okay, obviously I'm going to go with the pay increase because it's immediate. It's like, what's affecting me right now? And that's how we think all the time is what's affecting me right now, instead of saying, which one is ultimately going to get me to my vision. And the one that was a lateral move financially had way better quality of life. And they were soon having a baby and it allowed for more vacation time. And ultimately there was more room for growth five years down the road. So it was smarter to go with the lateral move long-term, but his mind was like, what's best for me right now? This is paying me more. Okay, I'll take the one that's paying me more. So when you're in that corporate position where maybe you don't have as much control, a couple of things you can do is start to, one, look at beyond this year, beyond just this promotion. Like what is the rollout of your life in this company or in your career. And the second thing, and the biggest thing for me and why I quit one of my first corp or my first corporate job was because I started looking at the people who were one step ahead of me or two promotions above me or at the top of my company. And I'm like, Oh dear God, I don't want to turn into that. They were all getting divorced or they were unfaithful to their spouses. We were in an industry. I worked in the alcohol industry, but I was in the corporate side of things. People were, had no relationship with their kid. They had addiction issues. It was a disaster, but they were revered within the company because of their status and how much money they made. And I started having these like come to Jesus moments where I'm like, wait a minute, I want a promotion which would mean I want that job. And that job is lending to this type of person. Why would I want that? Mm -hmm. And I had to remove myself from that environment because I'm human and I wasn't looking to tempt myself financially and end up in a place where I wasn't meant to be. So I had to start thinking beyond what's this next promotion? What does 2020 have for me? Start thinking like, you want to dominate 2020? Stop planning for 2020. That's how you're going to, because you're going to think five years ahead and then you'll know exactly what to do this year to make sure you're getting to that five-year plan. Ooh, so good. I love that. Okay. So question for you from that, which I'm sure someone that's driving to work right now, or she's doing her workout, or I don't know, a lot of people listen to this in the shower. She's throwing her loofah in there and she's like, okay, I can cast this vision, but how am I supposed to take 
the first step. Like I'm scared to take the first step because it feels like the distance between where I am now and where this big vision is, like I'm labeling that space intimidating, scary, overwhelming. Like I've got so far to go and she's freaking out right now. So what do we say to her of like the first step she can take? Okay. This is my favorite part because it's the hardest piece of the puzzle for most people. But when you do this next thing that I'm going to talk about, I think it, it all starts to come into the light. <clears throat> so that vision isn't just about the goals you set as the mile markers to get to it. It's not just about having the five-year plan that I talked about. It's not about just being in alignment with your values and making sure you're doing the things that are going to get you actually towards where you want to go. It's about the fact that who you are today is not the person that will achieve that vision. It can't be because if it were, you would have already achieved it. Yes. The person that you that is going to achieve the things or the, the life that you are picturing and dreaming of, you have to evolve into her. Yes. And I, I talk about this all the time. People want to know, what do I have to do? And I tell them all the time they're asking the wrong question. Yeah. It's who do I have to become? Mm-hmm. So who do I have to become? And that actually, that sounds like an esoteric, like pie in the sky idea, but it's actually pretty tangible because you can break that down. I heard on a, a sermon the other day that I was listening to on a podcast and I loved what he said. He said, like, we picture the goals that we have in our life or the vision that we want for our life. And, and our mentality is like, we wanted it yesterday, right? So we want to just be kind of picked up and dropped down into that, that vision. But if you were just picked up today and dropped into that future vision, you wouldn't be able to sustain it. Yep. Wouldn't be ready for it. You wouldn't know how to handle it. It wouldn't feel right or in alignment with you. And he compared it to the gestation period of a mom that's pregnant with a baby. And there's a reason that like when babies are born premature, the odds are against them a little bit, depending on how early they come, because that period in the womb is like, so instrumental to the growth that has to happen before they're ready to be birthed out into the world. The same way before you're ready to take that stage or launch that book or run that business or have that home or have the perfect marriage, you have to go through this gestation period of growth yes. of, because you actually lessen your chances of success or holding on to that success or that life you want the same way that a baby's chances are less of thriving if they're born way too early. Mm-hmm. So you have to embrace that growth period and you can actually break down who you have to be. So let's talk about uh, the person that has the vision board and does the exercises we've talked about and has the ideal day. Who is that person that they have to be to achieve those things? They're, since they're not them yet, they can actually break down the tangible, tactical things that are required of them to get there. So what do I mean by that? When This is my example. I want to be an incredibly present, patient, loving mother who has an amazing relationship with individually with each of my children. Mm-hmm. That is a huge vision for my life and my family's life. And I am not her yet because I am still impatient sometimes or many times. <laughs> I, I still lead by fear sometimes as a mother. I still have moments where I'm like playing with the kids, but I feel pulled to work. So I'm not fully present. 
So I can actually think of that mom and I think of the characteristics that she has, the habits that she has, the habits that she doesn't have, like the habits that I have today, but that woman does not have that I need to actually break, like having my phone anywhere near me when I'm with my babies. So one of the things that I applied, if you're looking for like, what can I do today in Mm -hmm. breaking this down? As soon as I check, I work from home, I run my own businesses and I have an office in the house. As soon as my day is done, my phone stays in my office until after the kids go to bed. That is a very tangible, simple thing, but it's the habit that I know that that woman I'm looking to become has to have. Yep. So I do it and I embody it and I embrace it and I practice it. And sometimes I don't get it right, but that's my goal and I'm aiming towards it. And the same thing for, you know, let's say you're thinking about that promotion or breaking out of the, the cubicle life and that nine to five to eventually run your own business. Well, the woman that is successfully running her own business at the same time as working in corporate, what are the habits that she has? She probably gets up earlier yeah. because she has crap she has to do before the sun has even come up because she then has to go into this nine to five job. So she's mastering that habit of having that morning routine that is so rock solid. Mm -hmm. She also probably has to have really high energy because you can't get up really early and eat garbage in the morning and not take care of your body and then show up at your workday on top of having to run this side hustle where you're dragging and downing coffee all day and crashing by 2 p.m. and then coming home and having to take care of the kids and then after they go to bed, try and build the side hustle again. So that means she prioritizes her workout. She prioritizes what she puts into her body. She probably doesn't eat processed foods anymore. Even though she really likes them right now, that's not who she's becoming. So she's just embracing these, these habits and these rituals and these things that are gonna help her get there. And the biggest one... For me, in the person I'm becoming, the stages I see myself taking, the crowds that I see coming to the, the events that I'll be hosting someday, the, um, the people that I get to serve through the podcast and my masterminds and my programs and whatever it is, she has a different belief system than I have today. Because mm-hmm. I have some pretty nasty, broken narratives that were instilled as a little girl that I'm still breaking down the walls of. So I have to become self-aware enough that when those things creep up, when I'm in a situation where I pitched a client and they said no, and that was really hard for me because I really want to work with this client. Instead of my reaction going down that negative spiral because of the, the actual lens through which I view the world, the belief systems that I have at the core of, of my being, I have to instead shift that and work on that. And I can't chalk things up as a loss. I can't just say anymore the line that I've said my entire life because that's not who I'm becoming. And that line is, that's just how I am. That's Mm -hmm. just the way I was raised. That's just the way the world is. Like those, uh, you know, limiting statements can't be a part of my vernacular anymore because I'm going to big places. And in order for me to sustain the success or the fulfillment that I'm looking to sustain, those things don't jive with it. Yeah. So the, the number one thing that I would tell anybody listening to this, no matter what they're striving towards or what they want, is who are you becoming? And start to actually break that down in everything from character traits, belief uh, systems, narratives that they've written on their life, habits that they have, habits that they have to break, tendencies, um, 
the people that they surround themselves with. That was a big one. You know, I, I had circles of people who didn't like beat me up or bring me down, but they didn't lift me up. Yep. And it's not that I had to have like a clean break from them, but way less of my time and energy could go to them anymore. Yeah. I had to, you know, surround myself with people that were going in the same direction as me. I love, I think that's really powerful. Like all of those components of it. And one thing too, Liz is like, you're robbing yourself of the joy of becoming that person and feeling proud of yourself when you get there, if you just got plopped there, or if you didn't get to do all this intentional work where you're like, I'm not the mom that I want to be yet. I'm not the entrepreneur that I want to be yet. I have this work that I need to get through. Like That's what's building up your confidence and your belief so you can have conviction when you get there and also just feel really fulfilled. And I think sometimes we forget that part that like, how do you get fulfilled? You're making progress. If you just get plopped there and you, it got handed to you on a silver platter, you're not even proud of yourself. Exactly. Yeah, so, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So, okay. I have a couple of questions that I want to ask tactically because I'm not a mom and I have a lot of you know women that listen to this podcast that are moms that are working on you know, growing businesses or podcasts or blogs, or they have other passions on their heart and they're struggling a little bit with mom guilt and they're struggling with how to prioritize just their days and their life in general. So I'd love to hear your perspective on mom guilt first, and then also any like tactical things that have helped you in different stages, maybe especially early on in your career um, when you had kids to kind of manage all of this that you're navigating with. Yeah, I think there are two words that could actually either be like incredibly wonderful words for moms that are juggling a lot of things and actually like cuss words that bring us down. And those are balance and grace. And they get abused. First of all, as a mother that's running a business or whatever, we're a working mom, balance is a myth. And if you're striving towards a myth, you're always going to feel disappointed. You're always going to feel less than, you're always going to compare yourself to the Pinterest moms who literally spent six hours positioning their kids against a white wall as they're screaming, crying, but only show the one image out of 5,000 that came out (laughs) right. Like it's just, it's a myth that's hurting moms and creating this, I don't know, this culture where the expectations are so high, even though the reality is we can never be in balance. There are seasons in life and I prefer to look at things in seasons. Like our youngest is turning one tomorrow and there was a season in the first six months of her life. And with, with every baby that we've had that I know those six months are going to be out of whack. I'm going to trend more towards my own healing towards my babies, towards being present with family. And if I were to score, you know, motherhood, my health and business, motherhood and health are going to score a lot higher in those six months than business on purpose. I want to be out of balance in that time. And there are times where I'm launching something and I have to know that, you know, I'm going to be scoring higher in business during that time because I'm, I'm in the process of, of bringing something to fruition. Mm -hmm. However, I also set standards. So in, there are certain categories of my life that I never want to dip below a certain number on a scale from one to 10. And that's motherhood. Uh, That is my health. 
and my faith. And those are my three. They don't have to be your three. For you, it might be business oh, and marriage, those four. And those, those are the ones that to me that like when I see myself kind of failing in those areas or dipping beneath my standard, which I try to set high, that it's business is coming at the cost of something that I value too much. So I have to shift it. So letting go of that, I don't know, illusion of balance, I think is the first piece. Yeah. And grace is a tricky one too, because it's like, I do believe that you have to give yourself grace as a mom. Like you can't be perfect all the time. You can't be perfect ever. You know, your kids aren't going to be perfect ever. You're never going to have it all right. But I also have noticed grace being used as an excuse term. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you just want to eat that whole chocolate cake. You just had a baby. Give yourself some grace, girl. Eat what you want to eat. It's like, mm-hmm. well, not if you have certain standards. And I think that we have to at least, and I think if people are listening to this podcast, this is, this is something that might resonate with them or be a little bit of a kick to the gut and a wake-up call either way. Come on, like set some standards for yourself. No, you don't get to just play the grace card all the time. In certain areas, yes, don't beat yourself up. It's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve your babies. It's not going to serve your business. But set standards that are higher than the average person. Don't compare yourself to society. Society, for the most part, sucks. People are operating far beneath average. You want to compare yourself to beneath average people and make that your standard? you're not going to get to where you want to go. So grace is kind of one of those terms for me where in certain areas, like absolutely you, you don't beat yourself up if your launch didn't go great because you planned it within the first year of your baby's life and you were, your, your kid was sick or you had stuff going on and you had to shift your focus there more than normal. Give yourself grace, but don't like scream at your kids and down a bottle of wine every night and say, I'm giving myself grace. Like it's hard right. being the mom of three little kids. Well, no kidding. It's hard to be the mom of three little kids, but I set a standard for my life and that doesn't allow me to dip beneath there. And when I do dip beneath there, cause I am human, it's my kick in the butt of like, Oh no, this is not my personal operating standard. So yeah. I think that's the, the biggest thing that comes to mind when you're, I don't know, juggling a lot of worlds. It's not, it's not easy. Don't expect it to be easy because you'll end up feeling disappointed all the time and, and tread lightly with those two terms because they can be as hurtful as they, as they can be helpful. Oh, so good. Fire. I love when that fiery list comes out. She's like, what's up? Set some standards. Okay. So as far as just quick questions on like time management or managing overwhelm, is there anything that's been helpful for you in your life that you could recommend to any moms or even honestly, not even moms, but just women that are maybe like getting their master's degree and they're building a business and they're moving across the country and they're planning a wedding, like just overwhelm in general for women? That's yes. my question. <laughs> yes, that's such a good question. I see so many people struggling with it. I'm raising my hand because I struggle with it still. Yeah. I don't have like a perfect system, but the things that have served me immensely are have a village. So especially as a mom, <clears throat> it was hard. So we recently, a year and a half ago, moved to our dream pop- property, this 12 acre farm out in Wisconsin. We wanted to have our own garden where we knew like where our food's coming from for our kids. And we wanted them to have tons of space to play. But the tough thing about this move is we were going somewhere, you know, my husband's family's out here, but they're not super close by in proximity. And when we were out east in the Boston area, my family was like a stone's throw away. 
And I grew up with that village and I was dependent on that village and they were my people and they raised me up and they were helping me raise my babies. And all of a sudden that, you know, that was stripped from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm slowly but surely realizing that I have to create my own village here because otherwise I feel like I'm drowning and like I have to do it all and I have to do it all well. And I can't. So whether it's outsourcing things, knowing when it's time to hand certain things over that like swallow your pride, trust me, you know, my grandmother is probably rolling at her eyes in heaven at me because I remember like being on my hands and knees in her kitchen with a toothbrush, scrubbing the tile <laughs> floors when she was like 80 and I outsourced that and just by <laughs> like, what happened to my Italian granddaughter? <laughs> and I'm like, Nana. This ain't my job. <laughs> my time is better spent with my babies or in my business or with my husband. So know what you ha- has to be yours. Like I can't, I'm, I can't and I would never outsource my relationships with my family or my time with my kids. Like my husband and I, you know, we have someone helping in the house during the day so we can work, but we are still the ones that drop our son off at preschool and pick him up. Cause like we love those experiences and we pop out of our offices to have lunch at the table. And you know, there are certain things that we do, but we, we also have swallowed our pride and handed over the things that we don't have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's been huge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other thing, especially if you're working full time, so your hours are not your own working in power pockets has been even before I had kids, everything. When I was working full-time and trying to build my business, then when I was building my businesses and I had babies, power pockets are like a godsend because we are so inefficient in life. Like whether it's folding, folding laundry or answering email, you know, we answer our email as we're like watching a show on Netflix and that makes us inefficient. The brain does not do multiple things at once. Yep. Multitasking is another myth that especially moms are like, you're so great at multitasking. No, actually you're switching between things so quickly and it's making you less efficient and less effective mm-hmm. in what you do. So when I have a power pocket, I actually use a timer on my phone for multiple different things. Everything from answering emails, I'll say, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm answering emails and nothing else. And I put my phone in airplane mode and yeah. I just do that. Or... Um, when I'm writing content or doing podcast episodes and recording, like I set timers and I know that I'm so much more efficient when I know a clock is ticking. Even if I have the whole day to do it, I just want to work in these blocks of time. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I schedule into my calendar because if, whether it's personal or business, if it's not in my calendar, it's not a guarantee. Yep. And this might sound horrible to some people, but to me, it's what's allowed me to be a really present mom is I schedule time with my kids mm-hmm. because otherwise it's like, it's not defined. I'm like, oh, well, Wednesday night, maybe, you know, that'll be kid time. But then it wasn't like totally dedicated to that. So I'm also making dinner because I forgot to plan. If I have that blocked off, I'm not making dinner during the two hours that are on my calendar to spend solely with my kids. I have to make sure that I make the dinner beforehand because I don't want to have to share that time. So blocking time and scheduling things on the calendar have been so, so huge for me. 
Yes. Such great advice. And it's funny because I noticed that with inefficiencies and like, if I don't time block, you know, Cena's like, yeah, we have to leave in an hour. It takes me an hour to get ready. He's like, we have to leave in 15 minutes. I look exactly the same if I got ready in 15 minutes than if I did in an hour, but it just took me less time because I had a less amount of time to do it. So Mm -hmm. that is really powerful and scheduling your priorities, the things that you're not just like giving lip service to being with my kids. It's like, To me, that sounds like smart parenting and juggling a lot to put it on your calendar so you know that it's going to happen uninterrupted at that particular time. I love that. Okay. So the final two questions. One, I ask every podcast guest, and I didn't tell you this or anything, but we have a Spotify playlist for this podcast and it's called Empower Her Pump Up Jams. So do you have a go-to like pump up jam that like gets you grooving? Are you kidding? Do you mean before I do any interview or anything, do I lock the door and crank teach me how to Dougie? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> I think so. would be yes. Yes, that, I do, Keisha. That is not on the playlist yet. I don't know how, but that's amazing. I Can you please, like, next time you do it, will you please tag me on Instagram? Oh, I my God. I legit do that on the daily. I have yet to get sick of that song. If you need some backup songs, Return of the Mac, and it's all about <laughs> the Benjamins. And anything Bruce Springsteen also gets me pretty fired up. But those are my big. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's amazing. And we're going to just add all of those to the playlist because they all need to be on there. And then um, the last question is, if you are feeling in a funk, just kind of funky or down and you need to get yourself to take action, is there anything tactical that you do that kind of gets you in the right mode to go do the thing that you need to do, even if you don't feel like doing it? Yes. So this took me years to figure out, but once I figured it out, I feel like I can pull myself out of those ruts pretty quickly and easily. And I don't know if it works for everyone because I know a lot of people, it's like, step away from what you're doing and read this book or listen to this podcast or absorb something positive. And I think that's great if that works for you. But I used to do that because everyone told me to do it and it wasn't working. And I felt like I was broken. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not absorbing this. Like, I still feel like crap at the end of it. And now I feel like I've wasted an hour and I feel like crap. My big thing, and I'm such like a visionary thinker, I go back to the drawing board of what I'm most excited about what I'm working towards. And it's not just like I sit there and look at my vision board. I actually get to planning. I start to look at the calendar a year, two years out. I start to think of the events I'm going to host. I start to get strategic with the things that fire me up naturally. Like there are certain things that I feel so called to that all I have to do is like start planning for them. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like I'm listening to teach me how to Dougie. Like that's how fired up I get. Uh, So that's a big one for me. Like if you're feeling in a rut, where are you going? Get pumped up about like the vision for your future, what you're creating, get tangible with it. Like what is that thing? The book you're going to write? Great. Start go map, go map out that outline for that book. Like not just get to action, but actually dive into the planning of the vision that you're building. For me, that works like gangbusters every single time. Um, My husband and I have on our calendar a full day every single month, full day, seven straight hours we block off and do full like visionary planning stuff for the five-year, 10-year vision for our lives. And there's so much to do and so much to map out in so many different areas of our life that like we could fill, you know, 10 full days a month 
with just mapping that out. So there's no, uh, you know, there's no shortage of this strategy because you're never going to like, if you're really building out the, your future, there's always something that you can be planning or focusing on or working on or getting excited about um, to start to breathe life into it. And that's, that's my go-to every time. Ooh, so good. I love that. Okay, Liz. So tell us like, what are you excited about right now? And where can we find you for all the women that are like, I love her. I need to work with her. I need to consume her content. Give us your rundown. Cool. So you can find me on Instagram at at Eliz Hartke, so E-L-I-Z-H-A-R-T-K-E. And my website's elizabethhartke.com. And my podcast is scaling up. So those are kind of like the three public places you can find me. I am going to share with your listeners, I have this, this tool I call the Future Forecast Formula that really helps with the ideal day exercise, really vision casting, starting to map this stuff out in a more tangible way. So I'm happy to to share that with your audience, Keisha, so that they can get their hands on that. But I am most excited about what is coming down the pike for us over these next five years. We just had one of those planning days that I talked about with my husband last week. We have events coming out right now. We're in the, I don't know when your episode will launch, this one will launch, but um, we have our Maverick Mastermind for for business owners that are looking to scale and brands that are looking to scale. And then I do uh, one-on-one coaching. I have full immersion events that I'm yeah. pumped about. So I have so many different ways to connect with you, but at the very least, shoot me a message on Instagram or share our episodes so that I can like cheer you on and, and share it back and I'm just, I'm so honored to be here, <clears throat> be here. And I, the, the thing that I would say to, to anyone listening is oftentimes we look at the cost of a risk of going after something, whether it's like, what will people think of me? Or what if I fail? Or what if I fail publicly? Or what if I let so-and-so down? Or what if someone tells me no? And everything shifted on its axis for me when I started thinking about the cost of not going after my dreams. Because yes. to me, that cost became so much bigger. The risk became so much bigger because I could see myself, you know, towards the end of my life, looking back, not even, it didn't even have to be like on my deathbed or anything. Like it made me sick to think of being 40 years old and being like, where did my life go? Like, yeah. this is not the trajectory I was on. I don't want to have to start over right now. Like that was enough for me to be like, screw what everybody thinks. I got work to do. And, you know, no matter what it's in, whether it's having that marriage that you dream of or being the mom that you know you're called to be or building the business or ranking up the corporate ladder, it doesn't matter. Like, just go after it. Yes. Oh, so good. I just want to drop, we'll both throw our headsets on the ground. We drop our mics. Um, Seriously, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show. I just adore you and how you show up and just, you've been such an inspiration to me in so many different ways. So thank you. And thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks, Keisha. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here. Still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl.